You're listening to Panthers on Tap. I'm Curtis Round, joined by Bryson Carbley. We're just two fans sharing our love for the game in Carolina Panthers football. So join us, crack open a cold one, some bubbly, a little wine, some scotch. We don't care, whatever makes you sleep better at night. Before we dive into the episode, a little self-promotion. Stop what you're doing. Go give us a follow on Twitter at Panthers on Tap. Join the discussion on our Facebook group. We have over 2,500 members. You can listen to us wherever you get your podcast. Just search Panthers on Tap. Frank Reich held a press conference this week for the Carolina Panthers. We also were introduced to some of the positional coaches and coordinators this week. Before we get to all of that, Bryson, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing all right, man. I'm hanging in there, fighting through an illness and uh, trying my best. So I apologize to the listeners that uh, I'm going to be sounding like shit, but uh, I'm going <laughs> to chime in when I can and and give some uh, give some commentary. Yeah, we don't don't be spreading any sickness this way through the mic. That's I'm trying my best, man. That's all I can hope for. Well, let's talk about Frank Reich's press conference, and we'll start with him. Um, I'll give you some of my observations, and then if you want to chime in as well. Um, it sounds like he's going to be initially calling plays for the Panthers, which for me is a good thing. He's had success with it yeah, and has done a pretty good job elevating quarterbacks. Uh, Carson Wentz had a, arguably one of his best seasons. Phillip Rivers had a really good year under him as well. His Offenses have usually been, you know, top 15 in the league. Um, disregard Matt Ryan this past year. But overall, he's he's done a pretty good job, obviously. And that's what Carolina brought him in to do. And that was one of the strengths. So I think that's probably a good thing that he'll be calling plays. It sounds like he wants to pass them off to some point to Thomas Brown. So I'm going to, you know, be interested to see when that happens, at what point. But it sounds like for the time being, he will be calling plays. Um, Bryson, I just wanted to get your take. Do you think he should pass it off at all? Or do you think you know he should keep this thing rolling? Well, my takeaway from it was that he uh, – I think he, he his exact quote was like, at some point he'll pass off the plays, and but he doesn't know when. And I don't know. The, the vibe I was getting from the whole thing was that he uh, – he really doesn't want to. Um, I think that uh, it's just my opinion and my takeaway that it sounds like unless he has to, um, he's he, he's not really going to. Uh, it, it didn't really sound like it was an imminent, imminent thing on his mind and that it's something that he enjoys. And he's mentioned it before that you know he, he really enjoys doing it. And I think unless the offense is struggling, um, Reich is going to call plays for Carolina for a, a while at least. So – uh, that was just my takeaway from it. And I, I know yours is a, a little different, but um, that's just how I came away feeling um, after he got done talking about it. No, and I'm glad. I'm glad you shared your perspective because I mean, we all watch these pressers, and sometimes one thing can sound one way, and that that is a good point. I mean, I could I can see that as well because I know he he. he in his introductory press conference seemed, you know, like at some point he wants to give that up, but he still likes doing it. So I can definitely see where you get that from. I think another big theme of that presser was David Tepper and the, you know, the praise it seemed like Reich was giving him that he, you know, he felt he followed through on his comments that he was willing, you know, to, 
open up the checkbook a little bit to get some of these coordinators in here and, you know, bring some of the best of the best in the league to Carolina that has struggled to get some of those coaches, you know, as of recent years with Matt Rule. So that was good to hear. It also sounded like, you know, Tepper was heavily involved in the process for coaches. And it sounded like he suggested some of those, you know, it sounded like he suggested Evero uh, from what I took away from it. I don't know what your take is on that, but it seemed like he was the one maybe to say, you know, hey, maybe give this guy a look here. Yeah, and, I, I, mean, I agree. He interviewed him as a head coach, so he got a pretty good, you know, vibe and what, you know, Evero is all about in that head coach interview. So I feel like, you know, Tepper has had a big hand in that. And I know, you know, some fans don't want to hear that always, but it sounds like Tepper was heavily involved and Reich said it was, you know, for the good. So. Yeah. And um, it sounds like him and Reich are off to a great start uh, working as a team together. And sounds like there's a lot of mutual respect there. And, um, and like you mentioned, uh, Tepper so far has, has kept his word with Reich and writing him a blank check to get the staff that he wants. Uh, And, you know, off to a great start in that relationship. You know, one thing, what I like that Reich said too about the about Tepper and him being, you know, willing to dish out some money is he said he wasn't just passing out blank checks, but there was some checks and balances. Basically, meaning he wasn't, you know, just throwing out millions and millions willy nilly, but like he was willing to throw out money to guys that were deserving of it. So that's good to hear. And I'm sure he's learned, he's learned from that with Matt rule a little bit. And obviously with Frank Reich and his contract and the amount of years he's, he's getting as well. So that's also good to hear. I think that, you know, that tells me that it sounds like Tepper has learned from his past mistakes up to this point. It's still early. They still got to play football games. So we'll find out here as you know, this, we get into the off season, the draft, and then obviously the season and see how this thing plays out. But for right now, I mean, all, you know, all cards are pointing in the right direction. So, so far, so good. Um, anything else that you thought of from Frank Reich's presser that stood out to you? I mean, just in general, just the vibe from, from Reich in, in my opinion is uh, <clears throat> one that is, he, he is a leader, but he's not going to uh, be a dictator. Um, it sounds like he's really willing to delegate and um, take other people's opinions into consideration and really <clears throat> do things the right way. And, and that is a collaborative way from the, from the ownership down to um, the assistant coaches that he hires. I mean, I, I think Reich is really trying to do it right this time um, in regards to his, his coaching career. Um, yet we all know he has a lot of love for Carolina. Uh, you know, this is where he's lived for a long time and, uh, first quarterback here, uh, you know, everybody knows that the Panthers have been preaching it on their social media. So, uh, I think Reich really cares a lot about doing it right in Carolina. And, uh, I think that that oozes off of him, um, in, in his just general aura, uh, even the pressers like, like the one that we had this past week. Yeah, one thing I took away, and I mean, it wasn't much because he didn't say much on it, but he did not show his hand at the QB position. And I know that's a lot of, you know, media has been asking about that. That's what we want to know. We want to know what they plan to do with the current roster and 
free agents and Matt Corral and all that. And, you know, he kind of deflected that and saying that they're just beginning to look at the roster. They had their first staff meeting today. So they'll really dive into it over these next couple of days with the combine coming up here next week. But, uh, he didn't show his hand at all, which I, you know, I was okay with. And I didn't, I really didn't expect him to say much. And they didn't really press him a whole lot. They didn't really, you know, specifically ask about Sam Darnold or specifically ask about Matt Corral, who's currently on the roster. But he didn't say a whole lot. I think, I think a t- telltale sign will be combine week because if he is talking, if we all remember back, Matt Rule is the one who, kind of, you know, set the tone for the Cam Newton stuff when he came in. That's when he spilled the tea on Cam Newton and said he'd love to work with him was during the combine he interviewed. I think it was on NFL Network, said he'd love to work with him. And then in a week or two, Cam was released. So I think we'll get a good sense of where this team is at combine week. Because at that point, I mean, I'm still, I'm sure they're still looking at their roster and free agency and all that. But by that point, they're going to kind of know what they have in this team and what they want to do moving forward, and that picture is going to become more clear. So I would look forward to that in the coming weeks. Let's move to Jim Caldwell because, you know, he was a guy who has been – who has really wanted a head coaching job ever since he was, you know, fired from Detroit and had success in that head coach position. And then, you know – I think he put out in either December or January that he wa- he didn't want to be an assistant. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, Carolina hires him as a senior assistant, which is awesome. And, you know, Panthers.com talked about it, that, you know, Reich reached out to Bill Polian and didn't know and kind of was hesitant uh, about asking Jim Caldwell because he didn't know if he would be interested. And then, you know, Bill Polian's like, hey, why don't you just reach out? And then he did, and Caldwell was on board for it. So just initial thoughts on Jim Caldwell, you know, what you've seen and heard from his press conference. Yeah, I mean, uh, I, the big takeaway for me was it's another, another guy that loves Carolina. I mean, he he lives here. He mentioned, you know, not a lot of people know, but his, his home is here and he's kept it here for – throughout all of his coaching career. Um, <clears throat> his kids are here. His grandkids are here. So he said that was a, a major reason that, you know, he took the job is because he didn't have to leave, leave his family. So, um, you know, he's going to be bouncing around. I don't think he really specified which area um, he's going to like oversee the most, but he said he's just going to be in all three phases and um, having a guy like that, who, like you mentioned, has had success in this league before as a head coach, as your senior assistant is just an invaluable um, thing for this team. So, uh, like you mentioned, it's a guy that <clears throat> interviewed for the head coaching position, uh, another one, and Reich was able to get him on his staff. And I think they're really prepping, uh, in, in my opinion, I've said it on Twitter, and I know we'll get into it later, they're really prepping the draft a rookie quarterback. And Caldwell's another guy that they brought in to, to develop that rookie quarterback, whoever they draft. So uh, I, I'm really – Again, impressed with Reich and his ability to get the the people that missed out on, on the job that he interviewed for and he um, accepted and that they missed out on uh, to join his staff under him. So it's just really impressive and, and continues to build just a great staff. 
Yeah, and you made me think of one thing, and I wanted just to quickly mention this, just back to Reich and what I thought. I'm glad someone asked about it, and they were they asked him about with with the staff you hired. Did you have in mind successors of the coordinator position? Because Carolina has two sought after coordinators right now in Thomas Brown and Ejiro Evero. And I mean, Evero looks like could be a one and done maybe in the in this role if this team has success success this year. So with that in mind, you know, Reich said, yeah, I mean, you have to you like you have to have that in mind going in. You would be dumb not to. And I feel like he's learned a little bit from his time in Indy because once I think after his first or second year coming in, he lost Matt Eberflus to the to the Bears who was a coordinator with them in Indy and then he also lost the guy from Philly right he was I think he was with him right yeah Sirianni yeah, yeah Sirianni so like he lost both of those guys and I it talking to that Colts guy a couple of weeks ago who had so much knowledge about that team it seemed like Wright had a hard time replacing those guys and I think he's learning from that this time around that, you know, he's got to have a, you know, a succession plan and be ready for when that time comes so that you're not looking around, you know, kind of scrambling and looking for, you know, I don't know if you want to say damaged goods elsewhere in the league, but this, you can kind of build those guys in the pipeline and have them ready for when those guys do get those opportunities. So that was really good to hear. Um. Well, let's talk about Ejiro Evero because he, him and Dom Capers had their press conferences today. And my initial thoughts, I tweeted something out to this effect. He looks and sounds like a head coach already. Like, seems very knowledgeable about the game. Clear, has a clear vision for what he wants. And I think he's going to be really, really good for this defense. Yeah, he's just extremely intelligent. Um, really, obviously knows football and uh, that Vic Fangio uh, disciple defense. Um, I was listening to Jordan Rodriguez on uh, she she went on um, Locked On Panthers podcast, <clears throat> and uh, she was talking about her time that when uh, from covering the Rams when he was there, and she says that the defense that he runs that he coordinates is is a living organism and that some people photocopy it uh the defense um that was originally implemented by uh, Brandon Staley um and then Evero uh later there on <clears throat> that some people photocopy it and then some people know how to really coach it and Evero is one that knows how to really coach that defense and and like I said she describes it as a living organism and, and something spectacular to watch when uh when it's firing on all cylinders and uh, she she did say that it may take a while for the the players to kind of buy in and and learn the terminology in that in his in his defense because it is a very uh, complicated defense to learn. But she said it's the kind of defense that continues to get better as the year goes on. And uh, and then she also mentioned I and I know you briefly mentioned successors. Uh, Cooley, who's the cornerbacks coach from the Rams that came over is another guy that was a disciple of, of Evero's. So um, she had mentioned that he was, she could definitely see him filling the role if Evero were to leave next year, uh, Jonathan Cooley being the defensive coordinator. She thinks that he's ready and, uh, and, and could fill that role 
you know, if, if ever it were to leave. So uh, I'm just excited that um, Carolina can continues to get sought after coordinators. I know, you know, it was between Minnesota and us. And a lot of the times, nine times out of 10 in the past, uh, Carolina isn't winning that uh, just based off of our history. And uh, I think, you know, he mentioned a lot of the players that are here in Carolina are the reason why he chose Carolina. And I'm sure that I apologize. I'm sure that the coaching staff uh, that's already in place uh, helped him make that decision as well. And uh, it's it's just really exciting. And I'm excited to to see uh, the defense uh, in full motion. And uh, one other side note is that she uh, Jordan Rodriguez mentioned that she's really excited to see Jeremy Chin fill that that star role where uh, he, ha- he has basically a defensive back play multiple positions. Uh, it was, it was Jalen Ramsey when, when he was there um, with LA. Uh, but uh, you know, he'll play, he'll, they rotate him from safety to corner to linebacker. Um, and she mentioned that Jeremy Chin is, is, is a player that obviously could, could fill that star role. And um, it, she's super excited to see how he ever uh, coaches Chin in, in Carolina. So, so something for Carolina fans to watch out for. Yeah, and Evero talked about that a little bit today. He seemed a little bit uh, more willing to kind of share, you know, a little bit more about the players on this roster. But he did. He suggested that the Panthers would probably move Chin around on the defense, allowing him to use his skills as a playmaker, which we know in his rookie season was, I mean, all over the field, interceptions, forced fumbles. TFLs. I mean, the guy was everywhere and was playing at a really high level. Still was it a pretty good safety, but I mean, I think he's way more suited to be that, you know, that almost that Swiss army knife on the defense where you can move him around, put him in the box, move him up close to the ball, put him in the back. I mean, he there, he is well suited for that position. I think he's going to play really well in that role. Another thing Evero talked about, and it's something that I know you've had opinions on before, and that's Shaq Thompson. But, you know, going into this offseason, it almost seemed like, you know, every article you saw on the Panthers free agents that are not free agents, but, you know, cap casualties was that Shaq was probably going to be the one to be cut on this team because of the cap. He, he's got like $24 million against the cap this year, which is massive. Um but Evero, someone asked him about Shaq Thompson today. Actually, David Newton did. We all we all know about David Newton. But yeah, David Newton asked about him, and Thompson said, or not Thompson, Evero said that um, he admires him as a player, and he thinks he would fit well in his scheme, you know, as an inside linebacker and in that role. So that's exciting to hear. He talked about you know Shaq's you know his movements on the defense and willing to cover running backs. And um, it sounded like he was pretty impressed with him. Now, I don't know if that's just saying a lot, you know, because he's just coming in, but he had a lot of good things to say about Shaq. And I still think Shaq is a good player. I've never written him off. I always, always been a backer of Shaq Thompson, but um, I do think, if he does, I mean, he's definitely going to have to, they're going to have to rework something in his deal, but I think there might be some more willingness to do that just based off of Evero's comments. And then kind of going off of that is it's what's something we've all expected. And we've talked about a little bit on this show is 
the Panthers will move to a base 3-4 defense. And that is, I mean, there are going to be things that they're going to have to tweak, uh, you know, player-wise, because I don't, I think some of, I mean, there there's going to be some holes that they need to fill, and it's probably on, I mean, in any defense they would need to fill, and that's that other end spot opposite Brian Burns. But it's going to be exciting. I think there's a lot of guys that are going to succeed in this defense in that 3-4 base, Brian Burns especially. I think you'll see his sack numbers go up. I think Shaq is going to do well. We talked about Jeremy Chin. I think Jeremy Chin is going to really get back to his 2020 form, which is going to be exciting. And then J.C. Horn. I mean, he's worked He's worked with Jalen Ramsey. He's worked with Sertan. Now he's got J.C. Horn. I think, I mean, J.C. Horn got snubbed last year in the Pro Bowl anyway. I mean, he should have made the Pro Bowl. I think maybe the four-game injury might have hurt him, which is, I think, was BS. But I think J.C. Horn is going to have a really good season this year, a Pro Bowl season. So, yeah, I'm excited. I think there's a lot to look forward to in Evro and I keep I'm a little long-winded here, but Monty Kiffin, Vic Bangio, Dom Capers, Wade Phillips, Raheem Morris, and Brandon Staley, all of those guys he's worked with. And those are some damn good names defensively. Like really good coaches you want to learn from. So that and though I mean they're they've all some of them have all had different philosophies too. So like that, he's gonna be pulling from a lot of that, which is which is awesome. It's good to hear. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. And, um, you know, it's, it's good to have his, his mentor here that's been with them for so long and Don Capers and the first coach ever in, in Carolina Panthers history. So uh, his hair doesn't look the best, but uh, his philosophy and everything else is still intact. So um, hopefully he can, he can bring some of that um, kind of old school mentality back and, and not get too fancy with things. Yeah. I also thought the, uh, this hire happened after our last episode, the D'Angelo Hall hire, another one that just, it seemed like came out of left field, but I mean, it's great. I mean, the guy was outstanding in the league, hasn't coached, but like a young guy who can kind of, you know, he knows, he knows what the players are going through and can be relatable to them. And JC Horn, I remember when the Panthers announced that he retweeted it and was like, I can't remember exactly what he said, but basically like, hell yeah, let's go. Like, I feel like the, those, you know, those additions to the staff and Evero said it today is invaluable. And um, it sounds like he's a natural teacher and he was impressed with, you know, the brief conversation he had with him. So I think, you know, some of those, the D'Angelo Hall, the, um, the Josh McCown hire on offense, I think those are going to be, Really, really, really good hires in the long run for this team because players like they gravitate towards those type of coaches that have been through it and know it and have succeeded in the NFL. So I, another hire that I did not expect, but I think it's going to be a pretty damn good one. So, but let's talk about Dom. Dom Capers, Bryson, you stole you stole what I was about to say. What the hell is up with his hair, man? I couldn't. I was so distracted. Ooh. 
I think salesman had it best on Twitter. He, t- he had a picture of um a, a damn Lego that had the black hair, and it just was spot yeah. on. I mean, that hair dye was so damn thick, you could have probably covered up the Panthers end zone color with it. <laughs> I mean, it was ridiculous. Yeah, I, that that poor bastard, man. I don't know what who he thinks he's fooling, but uh, just let it go, man. Just. Hey, ain't nothing wrong How do you let that guy walk out of the house like that? Yeah. <laughs> hey, he can dye his hair all he wants. If he brings back a, a Super Bowl to Carolina, then um, I don't give a fuck what color he's dyeing his hair. So uh, I'm I'm excited to have him back. And you know, like like I mentioned earlier, uh, really seems like he's he's kind of like the the fire to Evero's ice, like or the ice to Evero's fire. Um, Evero's is the, the young up and coming coordinator that's so like innovative on defense and then dom capers is on the side like hey don't get too fancy with this stuff like you know it just comes down to this and i think he really levels evero out in in that sense and uh, i think to have that is as as a person and as a coordinator is something that um like we've said multiple times in this episode is invaluable for this team and for him as a coordinator yeah i mean the guy's what 37 years in the league like crazy Crazy, been around in every single block imaginable. Coached, you know, in a, a won a Super Bowl in Green Bay. Had a really good defense there. So, I mean, this guy's been around the block, and he's been with Evero. Knows you talked about. It. He knows him, knows his strengths, knows his weekend weaknesses, and he'll play off that. And it sounds like he's going to do a, you know, have a big role in scouting opposing teams and really helping, you know, figure out game plans for games during the week. So heavily involved on defense, which is awesome. Awesome. Do Staley didn't have an interview yet. I don't know when those other coaches are going to be introduced or when they're going to have a press conference with some of those guys. We also haven't heard from uh, Thomas Brown. Maybe that's coming up tomorrow. I don't know if I missed anything. I'm sure it is in the coming days, but one quick thing I thought just wanted to mention the comments on from Frank Wright calling him the hammer and just his personality, Deuce Staley. I mean, even Dom Capers talked about it. I mean, that guy, the energy he brings to a team is unmatched across the league. I mean, that's coming from Capers, who's coached for 37 years. So he's been around a ton of coaches. So Deuce Staley is definitely going to be one of those fiery energy. We saw it in Detroit on the hard knocks. We've all seen that episode where he loses his voice yelling at the uh, defensive coordinator. So he's definitely going to bring the juice and the hammer there. NBA fans, it's time to bring the hoops action to the palm of your hands with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. This week, new customers can bet $5 and win $200 in free bets instantly Plus, for a limited time, all new and existing customers can get a no-sweat, same-game parlay every day. Go to DraftKings Sportsbook app today, opt-in, and place a same-game parlay on any NBA game. And if it doesn't hit, you'll get a free bet back. This week, I'm looking at Thursday's games. Celtics, 8.5-point favorite over the Pacers. Give me the Celtics to cover, win this game. I like them in that matchup. Download the app now and sign up with code TPPN. New customers can bet $5 on the NBA and get $200 in free bets instantly only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA with code TPPN. JJ Jansen back for his 15th season. Panthers signed him. He's the first 
free agent they signed, if I have that correct, I think. I think he's the first one. Yep. I was 15 years old when he started his career in Carolina. How old were you? I was 15. Uh, I it guess I would 2009. I guess I would have been 13. Yeah, so we were young pups when uh, JJ uh, came to Carolina in a trade from the Packers. Why the wow. hell did the Packers get rid of him? <laughs> I, uh, I can honestly say I did not know that. Yes, he was. They gave him a seventh round compens- compensatory pick. I murdered that word. I cannot say that word. Compensatory. <laughs> yes, compens. Whatever. I still can't say that shit. But you get the damn point. A, a conditional seventh rounder. There you, there you go. There you go. But no, glad JJ's back. I mean, we all know what. Matt Rule tried to repay, replace him with a six-round pick. Dude, you coming? Or, hey, bro, you coming? That, the the, the soundbite heard around Panthers Nation. But yeah, steady. Steady out of position. 226 consecutive games. And he just keeps rolling for the Panthers. So that's good to hear. Now let's talk about the free agents, Bryson. I'll go down the list here quickly. So unrestricted free agents. Sam Darnold. Cam Irving, Michael Jordan, Bradley Bozeman, Rashad Higgins, Andre Roberts, Deontay Foreman, Henry Anderson, Matt Ioannidis, Corey Littleton, Joel, some linebacker, TJ Carey, Sean Chandler, Justin Burris, Eddie Pinheiro, restricted free agents, PJ Walker, Miles Hartsfield, Sam Franklin, and then exclusive rights free agents, Stephen Sullivan and Giovanni Ritchie. It's a long list, but not a lot of starters on that list. So that's a good thing. It's starting to become the free agents are the back end of the roster, which you want. <laughs> and that's it's that's when you know you can, you know, this team is starting to finally come together and they don't have to be fishing for starters. But from that list, who do you want them to bring back? Yeah, I think we start with the most important on that list, and I'd say that's Bradley Bozeman. So uh, just a, a rock-solid center, um, gives them flexibility with, I guess if they keep Elfine as a backup, um, solid backup center, I guess. And um, Bozeman's just a leader uh, for this offensive line and for the community in Charlotte, really made his footprint clear with uh, he and his wife and just really a guy that you want to keep around. So I would start with him and – uh, you know, number two can, can really go a lot of ways, but I'd probably say Matt Ioannidis. I know that was kind of a Matt Rule guy. I believe Ioannidis went to Temple and played for Matt Rule, but um, Ioannidis was solid when he was on the field and uh, really was a, a good two behind um, Derek Brown. So uh, Ioannidis and and people know how I feel about Eddie Pinheiro over Zane Gonzalez. I, they're both great kickers, and I think that they should sign – uh, Pinero and bring him in for competition for camp and and let him battle it out. But with Zane Gonzalez's injury history and uh, his inability to stay healthy, and Pinero being one of the best kickers in the league last year, uh, statistically, I think that Pinero has earned the job and 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 shouldn't lose it in my opinion. Um, but those are the three that that I wanted to highlight off the list. Yeah, Bozeman's number one for me. You got to get that right. I tweeted this out a couple of weeks ago. When you have both your guards, and this is just, you know, just uh, it's just mounts of all this shit on this offensive line is you have both your guards 
that had major surgeries this offseason and are going to be coming into camp off of a major surgery. And one might not be coming into uh, onto this team until the start of the season in Corbett. You have to get Bozeman signed because you, you right now have question marks at both card positions with those injuries. So, I mean, you have to solidify that spot. They have the both ends right now are both tackles locked in. I think it's without a doubt. That's just one reason. And that's not even to mention Bozeman and his wife's impact on the community is unmatched. You you can't put a number on it. The minute from the minute they came into this organization, they've done stuff for the community with several programs and, you know, several events to raise money for underprivileged children and building bridges between police and community. Like they've done so much for a community they had really no ties to without a doubt, you got to sign this guy. And then we haven't even got to his play yet. And his play has been outstanding. He was brought in along with Deontay Foreman. When Matt rule was gone, the run game took off. They were in the top half of the league and they were in the bottom half of the league when Matt rule was the coach. Bozeman comes in, insert Foreman, and they just, I mean, Foreman was one of the best running backs. I think Bozeman has a lot to do with that. And, you know, not to take anything away from Elfline, because Elfline did play well up into that injury, but Bozeman, that's the guy you sign. And I think you you have way less concern about this offense line. I think it's no doubt. I really do. No doubt. I think they're signing him. I think it's a no-brainer. You're not going to let these guys walk. They're going to find a way to get it done. So Bozeman, number one on the list, got to get it done. I think next for me is Foreman because you don't have a lot in that backfield after trading Christian McCaffrey away. Foreman, you know, played into a contract this past year, was outstanding, was one of the, I think he was like a top five back yards wise the back half of the season. I mean, he ripped off. I don't know how many hundred yard games this year, but played really well down the stretch and was a big part of the success of the offense down the stretch with the brick and roller coaster and uh, in and out of all the quarterbacks between Baker Mayfield, PJ Walker and Sam Darnold. He was the one consistency on offense for this team. So I think he's another one you bring back and I think he will play well into the Frank Reich offense so I think that's a num- that would be my number two. And then I think Sam Franklin's got to come back. He was big on special teams. And I know it, Chris Tabor has talked highly of him. So I think that's another guy you bring back and not a lot of people want to talk about. I think they bring Eddie back for a competition with Gonzalez because, I mean, we don't know – Gonzalez has had this injury before. Yeah. So, I mean, that is never a for sure thing. So I think they're going to bring him back just based off of what he did. La- Pinheiro did last year and also his ties with Tabor, I think make it a competition in training camp winner. You sign or whatever and cut the other guy and move on type of thing. So I think that'll be done. I also agree with Matt Ioannidis. I think he had a, a bigger impact than many people think. Um, for that defense this past year not sure not no defensive guru never (laughs) never came out and said I was but I think 
I would hope he would be successful in the 3-4 defense. Don't know, but I think – I want to say – was Washington 3-4 under Ron, or were they 4-3? I don't know for sure, but he was in that system previously, so I don't know if they were um, – who the hell is their defensive coordinator? It's the Jaguars coach, old Jaguars coach. I'm blanking, but – anyway. No, um, way before that. Gus – no, not Gus Bradley. He was the Colts. It's way before that. Hold um, on, I got you. So. Yeah, we got – I got commanders – Defensive coordinator Jack Del Rio. Oh yeah, okay. Going way back. If I'm not mistaken, I think they run a four three based off of the personnel that I'm thinking of in my brain with uh, De'Aaron Payne, and uh, they have another. They run uh, a four four three. Yep, that's okay. what they do. So never mind. So he was in a four three there as well. So yeah. I would say that's my list. We didn't even mention QBs, so let's talk about that. Sam Darnold and. P.J. Walker, if you had to choose between one of those guys, because we're at Curtin, where it stands, it's Matt Corral, and then that other guy that I can't think of. Ah, he he played a couple snaps this year. Jacob Eason? Yeah. The yeah. guy who fumbled. Uh, like, he fumbled in the red zone or something like that. I, yeah. Not Jacob Eason. So, if you had to pick Walker or Darnold, are you bringing those guys back? Are you looking outside of, outside of in, like, Outside in free agency, what what do you what do you? Yeah, think? I, I would I would tend to look elsewhere. Uh, it was funny when Frank Wright mentioned. I, I know one of the guys on the roster. He was talking about Jacob Eason because um, Eason was a cult for a while. But um, I I tend to was lean... he though? I thought he was talking about PJ Walker because Walker was a cult too at some point, wasn't he? Yeah, but is PJ Walker in the contract right now? No, uh, he, he, no, he, he was is not. He's yeah, not. he was talking about the the quarterbacks on the roster currently. Um, but I, I, in my opinion, I would want to lean towards quarterbacks that are familiar with Reich's system, and uh, a quarterback that's going to be out there for cheap is uh, Jacoby Brissett. Uh, played really great. <clears throat> we saw him firsthand uh, how how good he played last season, and uh, I think he could come in and serve as that bridge quarterback, uh, allow time for Corral or uh, the rookie quarterback that hopefully Carolina drafts. And I, he would be my number one choice. But if I had to choose between uh, Darnold and P.J. Walker, I'd probably go Darnold um, just because Darnold did play decently well to end the season last year. And this coaching staff would only help improve him with the talent that's on the staff. So uh, I would probably go Darnold uh, to serve as the bridge quarterback. But I would go a completely different route if I had the choice. I can't believe I'm saying this. <laughs> We all know my hate for Sam Darnold. I would go Sam Darnold. I thought he showed some promise. He is definitely not a starting quarterback in this league by no means. He isn't. He's a backup from this point forward. And I think he could fill in if needed at some points. You know, a guy goes down type of thing, the Chad Henney type role. So I would bring Sam back. Um, I, I always I, – I know everyone brings up Jacoby Brissett, but – how willing are the Browns going to be to give him up? I just, I don't know if they're really going to be willing. I get they have Deshaun Watson, but I feel like they're going to want him as their backup because he played really well for them last year. So maybe the Browns, you know, I don't know how much money they really want to fork into that position because they've done way too much already. But 
I just see, I, I know everyone's like, yeah, Brissett makes the most sense, but do the Browns really want to give him up? I mean, that guy was playing in, you know, some fourth down type roles in the, on that team late in the season last year. I get it. Watson came in late, still learning a bunch of stuff and Brissett yeah. was a bigger quarterback, but I just, I don't know if the Browns are willing to give him up. Yeah, I, I get that. And, um, you know, last year he, he signed a, a one year, four and a half million dollar contract with him. Uh, to play, I guess that's that bridge quarterback until Watson were to, to come in. But um, if you're Jacoby Percent <clears throat> and a head coach that you're familiar with wants you to come in and serve as a bridge quarterback instead of being the backup to, to Deshaun Watson in Cleveland, uh, you know, which position are you more likely to choose? And uh, another opportunity for Percent to prove Valid himself or, uh, or be, be a backup to uh, Watson. So um, I think Watson has like a $50 million cap hit in Cleveland this year. And yeah. And, and like you mentioned, how much money are they willing to pour into that? I don't know if they could outbid Carolina for Brissett if Carolina were to be inter- interested. So maybe they could sign Brissett to a two year, $2 million contract or something and, and bring him in to be that bridge QB. Uh, I think that it is a, a real possibility and um, something that Panthers fans should keep their eyes on. Another guy I wanted to mention quickly from the free agent list is Cam Irving. Like, I really liked his role this past year, and I think he was big for some of the younger talent on this team. I get it. He's not an every-down starter at the left tackle position like he was a couple years ago for them. But I feel like as a swing tackle and a guy to bring in when you have, you know, some – you know, some of those crazy sets that they had last year. And I don't know how much, you know, Reich is going to use that. But if he leans heavily on the run game, I think it'd be worthwhile to bring him back on a cheaper deal because I feel like his his role last year was a good one. And I think it was I think it was vital to, you know, some of the teaching moments for this offensive line. So I wouldn't mind that at all either on a cheap deal. I just wanted to mention him real quickly. Do we want to move on? Are we good? We're good with that list so far. And we'll talk about, you know, some of the outside free agents in the next couple of weeks once free agency actually hits. But those are the couple of guys we're looking at for the Panthers to hopefully resign um, as we get, you know, coming up here. Because it's February, it's Wednesday, February 22nd today. The Panthers signed Ian Thomas on February 25th of last year. And I think he was the first, like, bigger deal they did last year was Ian Thomas on the 25th and many had were scratching their head on it when he was one of the first but just to keep that in mind for these guys I would expect some of those deals to start popping up here soon and hopefully Bozeman is one of those all right let's end on this and I want to apologize to Joe Person because <laughs> we blew up his mock draft today um so Joe had posted a three-round mock I took a screenshot of the first round and let's just say people had their opinions and they were not very good. Like People were pissed. So Joe projected the Panthers trading up to the number three pick with the Cardinals Panthers giving up the number nine pick number 61 from San Fran, which I believe is a second rounder, the late second round pick. And then also a 2024 first round pick. So two first round picks and a second round pick of this year. And then he has the Panthers taking Will Levis. Bryson, yay or nay on the trade? Yeah, I mean, it just seems like 
everything continues to point to Will Levis being Carolina's guy. I know uh, we had reposted again today that Will Kunkel um, feels like Carolina likes him a lot. And Will Kunkel seems to be correct on a lot of these things that he puts out. So, um, I I mean, I've watched a lot of, uh, like, <clears throat> interpretations of his film, um, specifically from uh, quarterback school, JT Daniel. Um, Love that guy. Give that yeah. guy a shout out. He, that right. stuff is great. And I just – I don't know. I mean, there's a, there's a lot of stuff that you can say, like, seven of his interceptions from this past season were his fault. They were tipped or – um, the wide receiver didn't, you know, make an effort to go for it and it was picked off or whatever. Um, his offensive line was terrible. He was continuing, he continued to be hit and, uh, he had no help on offense, um, no weapons and his offensive coordinator left from the previous season. And, uh, he just kind of was on his own and all of that can be true, but there were plays where, it should be an easy completion for Will. And he, he just – it seems like it kept popping up where he would just be inaccurate and make the wrong decision and and throw an interception or or do whatever, uh, just not make the, the right choice. And uh, I don't know if that's something that <clears throat> can be coached out of him, but he has all the tangibles that Reich likes in a quarterback with the size and the speed and the mobility and the big arm. Uh, you know, you, you see the comps of Josh he's – he's an ex-Josh Allen – um, but I think the coaching staff that they've assembled really points to them drafting a quarterback and really developing a quarterback. So Will Levis makes sense in my um, <clears throat> my thought process. But you know, if if I had my choice of quarterbacks, I'm not sure who else went ahead of uh, Levis in that mock because I I didn't see it. But yeah, uh, he so- didn't he didn't put it he didn't say who was oh, that that okay. was I was hoping he would have because I would be curious to see but could keep going if if they take Levis over Stroud if Stroud's on the board then I'm gonna be mad yeah I mean that's all there is to it I think CJ Stroud's a better quarterback and I think that's not really an argument at all but um if Levis is if Stroud's picked and Bryce Young's picked in the top two or top three and Carolina trades up to five to draft Levis you know, and and that's the guy that they're set on, and I'm fine with it. And I think Levis has promise. Um, he'll provide hope to Carolina that, you know, maybe we have our next franchise quarterback, and that's really all I can ask for right now. So um, I'm not totally against Levis like I was to start the year. Just trying to give him a chance and trying to weigh everything that was against him this season, but I hate making excuses for him. And, um, you know, there are some quarterbacks that don't get excuses made for them. Like Levis has excuses made for him. And I don't think that's fair, but I think that Levis definitely has some upside and uh, has all the intangibles you want, but it's just can those, can that decision-making and can that uh, just sometimes inability to just see the field uh, be coached out of them. And um, I think Carolina might think that they can do that. Yeah, it's, I'm kind of in the same boat you are Um, from what I've seen. And I've watched, I think almost every video on the QB school of him. And I've seen some of my own stuff. And the big thing that JT said, and a big thing you just see on the film is inconsistency, like very inconsistent Um, struggles with touch passes, 
And, and, you know, I know a lot, you know, Josh Allen struggled with touch passes coming out into the NFL. And I know we don't want to make that comparison. And I get that. And I'm not, I'm not saying he's the next Josh Allen. I'm just saying Josh Allen had a big arm. Will Levis has a big arm. uh, And Will Levis has struggled with touch passes. And that was something his coach that he's working with this offseason that I just had his name in my mind and it's escaped me. Um, Jordan Palmer, I believe that's it. Jordan Palmer said that's something he's working on right now is his touch passes and being consistent. So that's what I struggle with. I'm in kind of in the same boat. I think it's, I wish I would know what Joe person had in mind for picks one and two. I'm assuming it was Bryce Young and CJ Stroud or flip them. And Will Levis was three, but like you said, I'm going to be a little upset if CJ Stroud or Bryce Young is on the board and they do not take one of those guys because I think they're in a different category than both Will Levis and Anthony Richardson. And I think you, at least for me, I rate, you know, it's probably Bryce Young 1A, CJ Stroud 1B, or Bryce Young 1. CJ Stroud too, but I think both of those guys are going to be really good in this league. And if one of those guys are on the board at three, I mean, you better send that card in within the first 10 fucking seconds. Like There is no hesitation whatsoever with that pick. So that's, I mean, that's kind of where I'm at. I think if he is the third QB taken off the board and it is at three and, you know, they feel you know, Scott Fitter has said if they feel the conviction on Will Levis and it's, you know, it sounds like Tepper, you know, has liked him early on this past season. It looks like Joe Person reported today that the Panthers had their eye on Will Levis in 2021. And then it also comes out from Will Kunkel that he thinks the Panthers are high on the Will Levis in December from his sources and, you know, the amount of staff they sent to his games this year and the amount of games they watched of his. So, and then we've talked about it last week, you know, Will Levis reminds us of a Frank Wright guy. He's, he fits the, the Carson Wentz mold of, of what Frank Wright wants. And another thing that we haven't mentioned and you haven't mentioned is toughness. Will Levis is a tough son of a gun. I mean, the guy got hit a ton last year a ton and played through injuries as another thing. Do you, do you take in this stock? He played injured last year. So there's a lot to it with all that said. I think if, if he is the third QB taken off the board and they really want him, I got to be okay with it. Um, and I think if 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 everyone's going to talk about you know how good this coaching staff is, those co- that's this coaching staff should be able to elevate a guy and get that guy to his best. Jim Caldwell, Josh McCown, Frank Reich, Thomas Brown, all those guys that they should be able to elevate him to that next level. So, with that said, let's make it Bryce Young or C.J. Stroud. <laughs> Agreed. 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 <laughs> but if it's Will Levis, let's roll with it. I mean, that's that's what it, it comes down to. I hope I hope it's you know he's the third QB option type thing. And but we shall see. I mean, these next couple weeks are going to get interesting. And you know, everyone talks about the combine. It's all about those players there. 
the combine has literally in the last, I would say maybe three years, last two to three years, has really turned into a a grounds for front offices to work trades. Like it almost has turned into that and not even on the players and watching at the combine because the guys are in tights and they're throwing the guys they haven't thrown to. And, you know, it's uh, obviously guys can rise up the charts at the combine. And I think Anthony Richardson's going to be one of those. I mean, I, I want to say that now because I want to get ahead of this because I know what's coming. That guy is going to show out probably at the combine in his pro day and he's going to rise up. He's going to rise up the charts. He really is. I think he is <laughs> just, just the physical specimen of, <laughs> of that guy is, I mean, he's, if he can put it all together, it could be special, but it's, can he put it all together in the, in the next jump? So something to watch for. And it'll be interesting because, you know, a lot of, I think, I think me and you would both agree it's going to be hard to get a, a QB at nine, the guy you want. Like They're probably going to have to move up, whether that's to five, to three, or to one. And the combine is going to be a big week for them and Scott Fitter because we all know Scott's in on every deal, and I'm sure he's, if he hasn't already, is going to be in talks with the Chicago Bears and might not be as likely for one. I think it's still out there. I do. I think the McCaffrey trade has really opened up their possibilities. I think they had that in mind going into that trade that this was the package they can put together for the number one pick. So we shall see, man. It's it is it shit is gonna heat up quick. Yeah. We don't need to talk about the free agent quarterbacks because I don't want to hear about them. <laughs> if, if I was a betting man, I would say they have to rise on three. And I just I think with the asking price that the, the bidding war that's going to be at one, I just think they'll feel more comfortable at three, and I think they feel that they can get their guy at three. So um, if I was a betting man, I would I would put stock in number three. Yeah, and I would think, I mean, if just early prediction, as of right now, I would think Colts move up to one. So you have the Colts, Texans, and then probably the Panthers would move into three, I would think. But another thing I think is really interesting, and no one is talking about it, and I saw it mentioned once in a, a beat reporter for Chicago, and you might have seen it too, that the Titans were – that the Bears had fielded calls on Justin Fields, and the Titans were one of them. There was another team, and they didn't name the other team, but the Titans. That is a team no one is talking about trying to get a quarterback. And it sounds like they might – they're on the way out with Tannehill. I mean, and they have Malik Willis, and I get it. But that is still not a for sure thing either. He's got a high ceiling, but he's got a pretty damn low floor if he can't pull it together. A lot of inexperience. So I know that was a guy we we talked about a lot last year. So the Titans, I feel like, are a sneaky team to move up and go out and get a guy or go out and get a guy in free agency at quarterback. So that's another team that I feel like no one's talking about. And it could come out and be like, holy shit, they, they move up to – you know, the top five or something like that. So just something to keep in mind as we move forward and it'll be fun. I mean, there's so many, there's, I've seen a scenario where Houston moves up to one, Indy moves up to two and Carolina moves to three. So the bears get three, get two trades. I mean, the amount of picks they would get would be insanity. for that. And then you think of the Texans who you, you saw the last game of the year. I don't know why the hell they won that game. 
And if they have to trade up to one to get that pick and give up a couple first round picks, that was Lovey Smith's parting gift to the Chicago Bears for the Texans. Man, it's just crazy. It's crazy. But it's fun to talk about. Well, I think we're going to leave it there. We want to thank everyone for listening to the Panthers on Tap podcast. You can catch our episodes wherever you get your podcasts. Go give us a follow on Twitter at Panthers on Tap for all your analysis and breaking news. And as always, 